Hi, I'm Todd from Finish Line Financial, and this is Retirement Secrets, where we talk about what it takes to retire like a multimillionaire. You know, we don't ask for much. We all want to have a retirement where we're active and hopefully healthy, maybe uh, travel to beautiful places and maybe chase the grandchildren around if we have them. But, but we all know that in order to enjoy that type of retirement, you have to plan for it. And we often use alternative investments as a part of that plan. It's a savvy approach to retirement planning. Today, we have back on the show, Adam Konopolsky with Pomona Capital to talk about an alternative investment strategy favored by multimillionaires. Pomona Capital, as you may recall, is headquartered in New York City and they also have offices in London and Hong Kong. The best alternative investment managers, especially with private equity, the best tend to stay the best. That's not the case with mutual fund managers, like the ones you'll find in 401ks or your classic investment accounts. And if you want the secret sauce on why the best private equity managers stay the best, then this episode's for you. Here's my interview with Adam. Adam, welcome back to the Retirement Secrets Podcast. Thanks, Todd. Happy to be here again and looking forward to uh, picking up on, our, up on our conversation from last time. We're going to continue our conversation on secondary private equity investing. And you brought up a really good point last time that I wanted to follow up on. Okay, so Adam, I know that in private equity, not all managers are the same, right? The, my understanding is, is that you know the, the better private equity managers tend to stay the better private equity managers, which is a little bit different than from the maybe the, the public markets with mutual funds where the better managers sort of tend to rotate in and out of the top quartile to be used sort of a geeky term. Can you explain that? Why, why is it, why is it the best private equity managers tend to stay the best? And if they are that good, how do you, how can you get access to them? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And, and you, you really hit the nail on the head there, Todd. So one thing that we've done some analysis where we've looked at um, dispersion of returns between the best performing private equity managers and the worst performing private equity managers and compared that to other asset classes. So public, you know, mutual funds, public, public equity, public equity uh, funds, hedge funds, energy, energy, private credit, et cetera. And the, the difference between the best and the worst in private equity is like thousands of basis points compared to other asset classes where it's so much smaller, that the, the, the difference is, is so much tighter. Um, and, and the question is, well, well, why is that? And I think when it comes to private equity, particularly the buyout space in, in, in particular, it's not only important to have a good investment plan going in, meaning understanding valuation and understanding growth, but if you think about what buyout managers and private equity managers are doing, they're actually taking control of a business and changing that business, right? So they're actually, they need operational expertise in order to implement their plan for growth um, and, and be sure to execute on it, right? So you have firms that have been doing this in some instances for 40, 50 years, and quite frankly, and they've been doing it over multiple economic cycles, right? Given that, given that time horizon. 
So they have the playbook, right? And they typically tend to stick to what they know. They have a select group of sectors that they typically work on and they know how to add value and what their plan is um, going into a business before they actually get the keys. Mm -hmm. um, now, does it work perfectly all the time? No, it does not work perfectly all the time. But given that they, they are actually making fundamental changes to the business themselves and not just betting on the performance of the business, gives them another lever, lever or multiple levers, I should say, that they can pull in order to enhance value and grow each of their underlying portfolio companies. So, so that's really, I think, why that is. And I think that's very different than if you're a typical, you know, mutual fund manager or you're a hedge fund manager where you're not taking ownership of a business you're yeah you're you're making bets uh you're making bets on individual on individual mm. businesses and how they're going to perform but you're not you don't you can't sit in the boardroom right and and fire the ceo you can't change the course of a of a business business's strategy oh, um, and that's exactly point. what por what private equity managers are doing to their portfolio companies oh great that's a great point like i um the fact that private equity managers going in, taking oftentimes taking control, 50, 51% control or greater. Exactly. And they have the, they're actually rolling up their sleeves, bringing in their SWAT team. Exactly. And as you said, they've been doing it for decades now, yep. which is very different than a mutual fund manager because a mutual fund manager, not that investing in mutual funds is, is not a good idea. It's just yeah, exactly. it different. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Mutual fund managers are buying and selling individual stocks or individual bonds based on what they think a publicly traded company is going to do, exactly. but they don't have operational control, right? right. That's exactly which is what you're just describing. They don't have control of the business. That's exactly um, right. Or its future. That's exactly right. Okay. So Adam, um, let me kind of circle back to the idea. If, if the best managers are the best in the private equity space and they tend to stay that way, how can a investor get access to them? I mean, it's, it's a great, it's, it's a great question. Um, and to be to be honest, you know, it takes time, right? You need to build relationships. The private equity industry and, and the secondary industry, even even more so, is very relationship intensive. Um, you know, there's quite significant barriers to entry here um, when you're talking about being able to get access to the best managers in the space. Um, I'm going to talk about it from the secondary side because that's kind of how it how it impacts us the most. You know, one of the things that is is very important or very important to point out about secondaries is, is that um, any time that there's a transfer of a limited partnership interest in a private equity fund, um, it can be well and good that the buyer and seller have agreed on terms and agreed on price. But at the end of the day, if the underlying fund sponsor, the underlying manager doesn't approve that transfer, then I'm not going to be able, the buyer isn't going to be able to access that fund. So for example, Let's say uh, Todd and I have agreed. I've agreed to buy Todd's interest in um, in Adam Private Equity Fund One, um, and we agree on a price. And then I go to Adam Private Equity Fund Manager, and they say, um, "That's great, Todd, that that you've sold your interest to Adam, but I don't know idea who Adam is. He's never invested in one of my funds before. Um, I've I, I've never worked with him. I have no relationship with him. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, you know, approve this this transfer. Sorry. So." It's important as a secondary buyer um, that we have those relationships with mm. those firms so we don't find ourselves in those situations where um, we agree on a price with someone, we agree to transact, and we ultimately don't get approved to buy the underlying asset because that's just not a win for anyone. So um, you know what, what we've done is over time, given that we've been around for 30 years now, um, we have relationships, obviously, with a number of different private equity managers out there, hundreds of private equity managers out there, 
that we've worked with in the past and that are comfortable with us. And um, we rarely find ourselves in those situations where we're not able to buy those those funds that are that tend that tend to be more more restrictive. Adam, if listeners want to follow you or learn more, where should they go? Yeah, sure, Todd. No problem. So um, I think the best place for listeners to get some more information about us and, and secondaries is uh, PomonaCapital.com. So that's www.PomonaCapital.com. Adam, very informative. Thanks again for being on the podcast. No problem at all, Todd. Happy to be here. Happy to do this. And, uh, and I hope to speak to you and uh, some of your listeners some point soon. Thanks for listening to Retirement Secrets. If you want to learn more about how to retire like a multimillionaire, please visit our website at yourfinishline.com. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, Consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Individual tax and legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal professional. There is no assurance that the investment techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Alternative investments may not be suitable for all investors and should be considered as an investment for the risk capital portion of the investor's portfolio. The strategies employed in the management of alternative investments may accelerate the velocity of potential losses. Any guest speakers, along with the companies they are associated with, are not affiliated with or endorsed by Finish Line Financial or LPL Financial.